0: Welcome to the Missing Chapter Podcast, where you will hear some of the least known, obscure, and entertaining stories the history textbooks left out, starring Phil Horander and Phil Schaff.
1: I'm sure the majority of our listeners have heard those famous words quoted before. The British are coming, the British are coming, at some point in their walk with history. Paul Revere's famous ride, right? Well, of course, but the problem with that is he never actually said that. Even though he did manage to warn all of Lexington about the British invasion, it was hours before he spurred a horse toward Concord. But that's not where the missing chapter is going here today. We're going to the unknown story of a person who did almost the exact same thing, but not at age 41 like Revere was. This person was a teenage girl. Find out more about who this girl was and the implications of her bravery on this episode of The Missing Chapter.
0: Welcome to another episode of The Missing Chapter podcast here with Phil Hornder and Phil Schaff. Phil, it's November. We're serving up some house blend today. It's starting to uh, get a little bit chilly outside. You and I always have the discussion that as soon as we come back to school in September, we're amazed at how quickly those first few months go. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. It's like we that the first week starts, we get into a little routine, and before you know it, we're talking Thanksgiving already. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. And I'm excited about the episode that you had today because I really feel like it's the epitome of what we tried to do with this podcast and that we're taking a story where people think they know what actually happened, but I don't know if it's because of custom and what's been handed on down over time. We really don't know the facts. And we're trying to expose and kind of lift the veil on someone who's gotten lost in history and clarifying what really happened in a very important you know point in our in our nation's history.
1: Well, I think this is one of those stories
0: that when I first read
1: this, and I, I was um, akin to like the the story behind Revere, there was, there's also some embellishment behind his story. Mm-hmm. And then once you hear about this teenage girl, it kind of, it kind of woke me up a little bit to say, like, well, all right, number one, some of these questions, like you had asked, why do we know more about Revere than we do uh, this teenage girl? Um, and you know, some of the implications, like I said in the intro, of her being so brave to do something very similar to what Revere did. I think it's a, it's a, it's a fun topic. And it, originally, I had planned, as I told you, uh, Phil, that I originally planned on doing this as a short. But I think just because the nature of the of the story and to honor her, I think this should be a full episode because um, I think there's a lot of talking points.
0: No, I, th- I think that's great. And and as I'm listening, and, and as I'm sure our listeners are are following along, you know, in the back of my mind, I think one of those essential questions is going to be how did the facts get so you know skewed? Yeah. And and how did we get to this point? And again, I'm glad you're bringing light to someone and and facts that really have gotten. You know, lost throughout history, and I I also love the fact that it's that she's a female too, mm-hmm. because
1: I think you know, it, even from um, the dawn of man, it, it, there's there's always been uh, you know visionaries who are who are male, and you don't hear a ton of stories about uh, female bravery, which I think we need to, to highlight, especially as a father of two daughters. I think that's a, that's a fun piece of history. I think we need to start exploring more of um, as a culture. So the story goes like this. A girl by the name of Sybil Ludington. She's sixteen year old, sixteen years old, excuse me, and she's the daughter of a colonel in the colonial militia. Uh, her father's name is Henry Luddington. So the story is she took an all night horseback ride uh, to alert militia forces in some neighboring towns. So it wasn't Lexington or Concord like Revere, but in today's Putnam County, New York. And she, she went to warn of the burning of Danbury, Connecticut by British forces. Okay, so very, very similar uh, stories, you know, getting on horseback and, and warning of uh, some British invasion forces. So as the story goes, we're here on April 26, 1777, Sybil Luddington gets on her horse. She rides about 40 miles through the night in Putnam County, New York, to warn around 400 soldiers or so under her father's command, that British troops were planning to raid Danbury, uh, where the Continental Army had a supply arsenal. So, you know, you're probably thinking to yourself, why Danbury? Well, that's your answer right there. There's a big supply arsenal that I think the British soldiers were privy to and they wanted to take out. So one of the, one of the things we need to address about the story is that there's not a lot of history uh, documentation about this. But the one person who's really devoted a lot of time to this was a New York, a local New York historian by the name of Martha Lamb. She said, uh, according to Martha Lamb, that this young girl warned people asleep in their homes by banging on the shutters with a stick. And it was the same stick she used to prod her horse. And of course, she yelled, the British are burning Danbury. And of course, that sounds awfully familiar, doesn't mm-hmm. it? So she, she takes this ride. She warns uh, about 400 soldiers. She's she's got the stick banging on the shutters, yelling out warning of everybody, uh, warning everybody of, of the possible invasion by British forces. She gets back home. She's rain soaked, completely exhausted. Even though the American militia was too late to actually save Danbury, they were at least able to drive back the enemy as far back as the Long Island Sound. And you know her warning wasn't perfect; it, it didn't stop everything, but it was most certainly uh, helping save countless lives. So. And I think this is a, the piece of information I think is just is awesome is that her ride is is basically unbeknownst to her playing an important role in the success of the American colonies in, in the revolution because supplies of the Continental, Continental Army were very low, especially after being burned. And because of Ludington's all night ride that lasted from about nine o'clock at night until dawn, the casualties were shockingly low. I mean, you think of what what could have happened and just the, those 400 soldiers um, it, it could have been, you know, 400 more. And then the the cascading effect from those 400 soldiers being killed and and running through all of Danbury and, and getting further, uh, further past the um, the rebel troops. So I, I just think it's a it's an awesome piece of
0: information that we really don't know the implications of. Right. And question for you. And I don't know if you can answer this or not, but was it her connection, the fact that her father, you said he was a colonel in the military. Is this what made her so... Um, I mean, ready to to kind of go into action is that she had that connection to the military. I mean, was her father stationed in the area, and she was kind of anticipating that this would eventually happen. See, that's amazing because
1: I, I just for full disclosure for people at home, I did not pay Phil or tell Phil to ask that question, but that is a perfect segue in what I was about to say. Her courage, really, at 16 years old. I mean, come on. I mean, who would have the courage to do this? And I, it, it has to do exactly what you said of how she was brought up. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're trained to be courageous. You're trained to do your duty regardless of the situation and the circumstances. And of course she had quite the bloodline, right? So her father's a colonel. Um, he fought in the French and Indian war and the revolution of course. And because he was either leading or volunteering in multiple facets of war, he traveled quite a bit. So Sybil followed and became a student of her father. You know, she was very, very close with him. Um, but I think that the story doesn't end with just her ride either, because there's lots of information regarding, you know, her and her father's relationship. One of being, she uh, prior to her famous ride, she actually saved her father from being captured. Really? Yeah. So there was a loyalist by the name of Ichabod uh, Prosser, and he had about fifty other loyalists uh, on tap, ready to quietly trap her father. But Sybil, and this oddly enough, this this reminded me of Home Alone from the nineteen nineties, which. My family watches like every day. <laughs> for whatever reason, my kids are in a home alone right now. But um, oddly enough, it reminded me of this of this film because she she took um, a lot of her siblings and her family members and, and relatives and made it look like there was way more activity around the house than there actually was in order to you know deter some em- enemies from entering. So she lit candles around the house, got her relatives and siblings together, told them to march in front of the windows in almost military fashion. So it looked, to the enemies at least, like there were tons of soldiers guarding the house. It worked. Because the loyalists, as soon as they saw that, uh, fled. So you can you can picture Macaulay Culkin
0: you know, directing all these. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going to go with that, Phil. And after you described the whole scenario, it, it actually is completely taken from that movie. Right, I'm yeah. Just... So
1: she she has this, um, I don't know, cleverness of, of a Macaulay Culkin almost. You yeah. know what I mean? If you can visualize that. Um, but yes, it worked. She, the Loyalists flee, and now she's at that point where I think she's built up enough courage uh, where eventually, in 1777, she's going to take that famous ride. Now, I think here's the question. We'll take a, a brief break, but here's the question. Why was all the focus on Paul Revere? And uh, we'll plan on answering that um, after the break.
0: You know Phil one of the things that stood out to me from your story is I love the fact that she obviously admired her father, studied and learned from him. Mm-hmm. But then when the time demanded it, she was able to put that skill set into motion. Whether it was be quick, you know, be quick thinking right. and and being creative in in how she deceived the uh, the British or, you know, just the fact that her horse riding skills were good enough to, you know, that endurance in, in the ride from, you know, early dawn to all the way up, you know, to, to the next morning, it's just impressive. And, you know, you think it's one thing to have that skill set; It's another thing under pressure like mm-hmm. that yeah. to actually be able to, to perform, especially yeah. when you're only 16 years old. See, that's
1: the thing is, is when you really put it in perspective, because, you know, when you read some of the, these documents, there's some of the older documents don't evoke emotion initially, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, that's some of the um, responsibility of the historians is to, to present that emotion in a, in a, uh, educational way, but I think this really speaks to the fact that 40 miles is a, is a long way on horseback. Nonetheless, a 16 year old, and she's doing this in, in, at, at pitch black. So I, I can't imagine a 16 year old right now. If I said, "Hey, you're going to travel 60 miles, or excuse me, 40 miles in the middle of the night, and you're going to go up against one of the most powerful military forces for that time period," I mean. To really, when you put that in perspective, it's it's awe-inspiring for yeah. sure. And I think, you know, to answer the original question at the end of the the first segment is why was all the focus on Paul Revere? And I think he, of course, deserves the credit. But there's embellishment with that story as well, you know. But it's still stuck in American history. The problem with Sybil Luddington's story, though, I think is is twofold. First, one one would argue that the popularity of Paul Revere surpassed that of a of a young teenage girl, uh, especially because Paul Revere was the first one to take the take on the task and you know, a very popular man, um, especially after the, the the ride. But I think secondly is documentation. I think the really the only record of this event was written by Sybil's great grandson and her father's uh, memoirs, which weren't published until 1907. And if the widely known and shared story of Revere became embellished, then I mean, is this story impervious to that too? I, right. That's, I, I don't a, good know. That's know? a good point. That's a good So I, I think there's there's a little bit of um, I don't know fog around the story, but there's. There's that one historian that I mentioned earlier, Martha Lamb, who wrote about this in, in very, very minute detail in her book. Uh, and that was the earliest reference, earliest known reference to Luddington's Ride. And a later reference appeared in an account of her father's life, like I said, published in 1907. But I think because of the lack of contemporary accounts, some historians have questioned whether or not these events have occurred to the detail that Martha Lamb has described. Um... But here's, here's a little twist. Some sources suggest that the Patriot Army in the, in the town of Danbury, Connecticut, were already aware of the approaching British troops. So why would there be a need for Luddington's warning? You know So that's, that's something that uh, some historians, uh, some prominent ones I might add, have questioned. On the other hand, there are some very convincing historical pieces that, I would say intrigue even the most doubtful of historians or, or people alike. Like oral and written records of Luddington being congratulated for her hero, uh, heroism by friends, by neighbors, and ready by General George Washington himself. So, if, if she's going to receive a, a written or oral uh, record from George Washington, a congratulatory piece, how could you deny or argue against the validity of that of that
0: story being told? I, it's, it would be hard for me to to come up with a, no, a I mean, reasoning of all the people. I mean, that to me you know, having, having validity provided by Washington speaks volumes.
1: Oh yeah. Um, So not to mention Ludington has been widely celebrated since around 1900. So she has memorial statues that honor her. She's got uh, eventually we'll have books being written um, in the 20th and 21st century and being honored uh, on a United States bicentennial stamp that was released in 1975, which shows her on her horse. Um, If we've learned anything from Paul Revere's ride though, I think it's the notion that history has to be carefully, carefully documented and presented, or else, of course, the truth can be overcome by embellishment and become almost romanticized to a, to a certain degree. So I think, Phil, it's our responsibility as historians to look at the story of Sybil Lunnington from the very same perspective. The very least, though, however, after analyzing multiple sources, I think it's it's my conclusion that history should not overlook what she did, her bravery, her, her courageousness, um, the fact that she's a teenage writer, I mean, without her, that could have been a catalyst for a major butterfly effect that could have changed the
0: outcome of the revolution and our country's history as we know it. Right. And you know what I like that you did, Phil? You did nothing to discount what Revere did. But you, you're right. talking two different areas of the country.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Massachusetts versus New York and Connecticut. Why can't the two stories coexist? They yeah. both did exactly. something it's not like th- these were the same areas they were competing in that, you know, historians had to choose Revere over her. No, they both showed heroism. They yep. both showed courage in what they did to ultimately, you know, preserve and, and and you know, keep casualty numbers low in both regions.
1: And I think that's my thesis, too, is that if we're going to we're going to revere Paul Revere, mm-hmm. we should revere Sybil Ludington as well. <laughs> Thank you for joining us and until next time I'm Phil Horinder and I'm Phil Schaff another chapter has been added to the history textbooks